beyond. This is one of a series of podcasts about life, the universe, and everything that comes up for me to podcast about. And I'm Paldon Jenkins, and I live on an organic farm in West Penwith at the far end of Cornwall. down here on the farm in Cornwall and you might hear some banging and off-stage noises while I'm talking. I'm not going to talk about that though, I'm going to talk today about reincarnation. Now this is a, a much bigger topic than a lot of people would really like to think. When I first heard of reincarnation when I was young, it made immense sense to me, actually. It, it struck me as inherently logical that it should happen. And so I've never really had a difficulty with this notion. I've had a background in Buddhism as well, which obviously helps. But this is a fundamental issue, which I think, for me now as a cancer patient, and coming towards the end of my life, it really actually makes a fundamental difference in terms of my understanding of my whole situation and the meaning and significance of it. Because if you have a Western viewpoint on things, then there's there's a sort of a strange confusion that goes on. People are confused between the materialist notion that it all suddenly just goes blank at death and everything shuts down and that's it. You stop existing, presumably. No one actually figures that one out, but that's what the idea is. Or the other one is the a kind of a post-Christian, rather corrupted idea of heaven and hell and purgatory and all this kind of thing, none of which are really very useful or accurate in terms of the real-life experience of people when they're actually dying. And, of course, one of the problems also is that if you're expecting everything to shut down and then suddenly you find something's happening and you seem still to be here, even if you're not alive in your body, then that can be quite a shock. Now, for some people, of course, this will be a welcome thing, a welcome discovery. could be quite a blissful experience for many people. And for others, it can be entirely disorienting I remember, for example, when my mother died, 
she really couldn't handle death. She she really couldn't handle the idea that she was going to stop existing. And so she went to sleep when she died. And for something like a week after her clinical death, she was fast asleep, curled up. And I wondered what to do with that because we were approaching her funeral and I was aware that she was a very popular and well-liked woman who had made a big social contribution in her life. And there were a lot of people who would be coming to this funeral and expressing their appreciation of her life. And I wanted her to be a witness to that because she'd always underrated herself in a way. She always used to say, it's only me. And so when she died, she fell asleep and I wanted to wake her up and I couldn't wake her up myself. And I kind of put up a prayer and I said, I, I can't handle this. I, could you, you know, can I hand this over to you? And you know, could you sort this one out? And very soon afterwards, a little dog that she had had who had died uh, before her, he came along yapping. Is a little dog called Pepper. He was a terrier. And of course, he woke her up. <laughs> and so she was a witness to her funeral and to the appreciation that she received from hundreds of people. Some people, you see, they, they, they can't really encompass the idea of dying. And I think also, in my mother's case, she had some difficulty letting go of her own little me and opening up to the, the vastness, the, the openness, the wonder. She did. And, of course, she was, as a soul, she, she was very different from, as a sort of a freed soul, she was very different from the rather constricted personality that she had in her last life. This is interesting, really. You see, if you're you're reaching the end of your life and everything's just going to switch off, then there's something missing here in terms of the experience that you can have as an old person. I mean, if you've achieved a few things that you can be happy with, then that's good, and that will give you a, a, an amount of satisfaction, fulfilment. If you haven't, if your life is filled with regrets and guilt over things, then that is a different matter. But the thing is that the idea that it just blanks out when you die, it basically means we don't have to be responsible for the long-term future because we're not going to be there and it doesn't matter to us. And so there's a, a deep thing going on here which has a modern resonance which I don't think originally people like Tibetan Buddhists would have understood a few centuries ago. And that is that actually, in order to solve the ecological crisis, we've got to get straight about reincarnation. Because if you perceive and know that you're in some way coming back, or likely to, then you'll take a different interest in the future. So I'm going to pass away presumably in the 2020s and I hope I'll at least get a bit of a break and a bit of a rest but when you reincarnate is a very open question but I think generally it can be anything from a few years to a few decades in our current time uh, which would mean that I could be reborn in shall we say the 2040s or 50s or 60s and that's one reason why I fundamentally care about the world now. 
That's why I do a lot of things which don't seem to be of immediate benefit to people, but I am glad to say that I've had signs now that things I did back in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s when I was in my 20s, 30s, and 40s and, and up into my 50s, I'm glad to say that many of those things are paying off in ways which I hadn't conceived back then. And there is a certain kind of joy to be had from having one's initiatives in life continue and uh, progress. And so this business of reincarnation has a fundamentally transformative effect on the way that we perceive things. Now, as a cancer patient, and with the, the, the prospect of, say, having a few... Uh, years left say I think possibly I've got three to five years left as far as I can tell at the moment and in that kind of context one of the things that has been coming up for me has been a kind of an accelerated karmic evolutionary pattern where issues are coming up from my life which often aren't exactly relevant now in my current situation but the fact that they're coming up is challenging me to resolve many of these things. And so I'll give you one example. Uh, in the last month, I've been involved online with a and remotely with a humanitarian situation in West Africa. And the interesting thing with that was that when I got cancer three years ago, one of the things I felt deeply frustrated about was that I wasn't going to be able to go and do my humanitarian work anymore, traveling out to the Middle East, for example. And to be honest, I think if I went to the Middle East, I probably wouldn't come back. <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> but, uh, so the thing here is that I had this unresolved question, therefore, of, about my humanitarian work. And it was irking me. But the funny thing was that just around a month ago, a situation I got into online led me into this other situation where I suddenly found myself, in a sense, responsible for the lives of four people and keeping them alive and dealing with all of the issues around that and dealing with a, uh, a multi-country operation which has to do with breaking up open a crime gang. And so this is an interesting thing because I was in that situation and I have all the skills. I have quite a bit of experience in this kind of intelligence and security work. And that's rather strange because, you know, I'm a peace freak and hippie and this kind of thing. And nevertheless, I've had a penchant for that. I've, I've usually applied my skills in regards to peace work and resolution of situations, conflicts and things like that. And so... It was very, very interesting, therefore, to get thrust into this situation. Now, the interesting significance of this was that it has helped me to resolve an issue that I wasn't able to resolve because of my relative disability. And But it came to me. And so I've been sitting here on the farm in the lookout, which is where I live, on the farm, and doing this work from a few thousand miles away, being what in the intelligence business would be called a handler, someone who makes sure that the people on the ground are sorted out, backed up, and uh, kept going and helped in all sorts of different ways. And so I've been doing that.
And it's been very interesting. So this has kind of presented itself to me. Now, the reason why this has happened is obviously to do with a karmic pattern, and it's also to do with resolving things in my life. And this is what I've been doing since I got cancer. I've written a book about a subject I've never written properly about before, so now I've been able to say my piece about this particular subject, which concerns megalithic civilization in ancient Britain. And I've managed to do other things too, such as the magic circles I've been doing, which have been a very great thing for me because standing in front of people and sharing my thoughts and the particular spark of spirit that that I, I seem to have really brings me alive. And one of the fascinating things with doing those magic circles is that they're healing me as well as I hope, healing or helping uh, the people who come, who all do seem to be very happy with it. And so that's fascinating that, in a sense, for my own self-healing and self-resolution process, there are, therefore, things which are coming up to do which I hadn't even really thought of, such as this humanitarian work just recently. And so although that wasn't premeditated or planned, I'm really happy that it's happened because... It's closing a a circle within me. It's bringing something to a conclusion there. And one of the fascinating things about that particular area of work, which is related to intelligence and it's related to security matters and basically dealing with bad guys, you know, that's what the what the issue is there. And that is an area of ability that I that I just sort of have naturally and I, I've used it in many different contexts before. So it's really amazing to have that revisitation. And I've had other things too. I, uh, one of my daughters is, is uh, putting me through some fascinating processes with with her and then I had a a breakdown of a relationship nearly a year ago which had a really stirring effect on me and so these things now I'm seeing in the light of the conclusion of my life but I'm also seeing it in the sense of reincarnation because it is good as much as it is possible to leave life in as clean and decent a way as it's possible to do, whatever that means, to land up having resolved sufficient things so that you're not having to go back over old ground again in another life or in other ways. You're able to progress from there. And that idea of progression, soul evolution, of continuation, is a very, very important one. And you see, one of the things here is that we get many lives in our life. I'm 72 now, and I feel as if I've lived perhaps five or six lives. I haven't really counted them up, but perhaps five or six lives in this life. In other words, that different major chapters of my life have been so different that it's a question of whether I'm the same person, in a way, but in another way there is a continuity. And I certainly have the memory of these things, sort of. So this is a a funny business where the psyche, the soul, the mind, the spirit... They do live on. They do live beyond this life. And and I've had this also with childbirth. Earlier in my life, I was involved in childbirth, delivering babies at home. And it was absolutely clear to me that these, these young people were coming in already 
with character, with personality, with something going on inside. They're not just a blank slate. And they already have proclivities, abilities, tendencies from the very, very beginning, and they bring them with them. And there are things inside us, gifts, which we have, which are inherent. They can't actually be learned from anyone else. They come up from within. So, so you see, there's much more that stretches beyond this life. We don't die when we die, and we aren't born when we're born. And there's a continuity between these lives. There's also a parallelism between this side of reality, being in a body, and the other side of reality, not being in a body. Now, this depends very much on how people treat it, because, of course, in our modern Western culture, are in complete denial about all this, and therefore they can't and won't recognize the existence of this unless privately, secretly to themselves. Otherwise, they're looked on as mad. So there's something here where the, this continuity, this ongoingness, this opening and closing, is a very, very real and definite thing. When we die, part of us that is inside carries on. I've done a lot of uh, past life regression work over many decades, and one of the things I've noticed is that when I experience myself in another life, in another time, I have very much a similar character, personality, and field of abilities characteristics which is quite consistent through many lives and that was quite a surprise to me because I was taught in the standard esoteric teaching is that you come back again and again in order to witness the full variety of all the different kinds of possible existences you can have I'm not so sure about that that might be certainly the case for some people but there's a funny kind of continuity to all these. There's a funny kind of individual narrative or story which each soul has. And so one of the things I've discovered from my work with past life regression is that in many of my lives, I have either been the master or I have been the servant to the master. And that has been one of the, the themes of my many lives. And so I've been both a number one and a number two. And the fascinating thing there is that I have in this life been like that as well. And it, to understand this and to understand that I have been a number one, a leader in certain specific ways. And in fact, in my case, two historic characters whom I can actually read up about in books. And that's really helped me actually. Um, the business about being a servant as well has been an interesting one because that's also true in this life is that I have been very good as a number two. For example, I've worked as a book editor and a book editor is someone who is definitely not the number one. Their name doesn't come up at all, but they make a book good. They make it work and they're a vital part of the whole thing. And similarly, you know, I'm a Virgo and archetypally the archetype of Virgo is that of the minister to the king. The king is Leo, the sign that comes before, and Virgo is the, is the minister to the king, or to the monarch, uh, or the leader. But the truth of the matter also is that, is that the minister holds the real power, if truth be known. They're the ones that have their fingers on the buttons, you know. So that's an interesting twist to that one. And so I've been both a leader and an assistant to 
two people. And that has been the theme of my many lives and of this life. That has been really helpful to understand and I have always been surprised at the consistency of character between these. Uh, Twenty-ish years ago, I experienced my chronologically last life, which was as a philanthropic Austrian aristocrat of a new generation. I was born in 1898, and so I was in my teenage years during World War I, and I was part of the Habsburg dynasty of Austria, Hungary, and um, our dynasty fell when I was about uh, eighteen, nineteen. I was something like 20th in line to the throne, something like that. I, I didn't have big prospects, but I was part of this big family, and I was a third-degree Mason, and I had estates in Poland, and I was a diplomat, and I was involved in a lot of manoeuvrings. In fact, I was very, very much involved in the early stages of the founding of the European Union. And I was also one of the people who plotted against Hitler and paid for one of the assassination attempts on his life. <laughs> oh, dear. But anyway, that's another thing. And I died in 1945, and I was reborn in 1950. And so it was a five-ish year gap for me. It's amazing the continuity between these two. I'll give you an example of this where past life regression can really be a healing thing. I had never done well financially throughout my life, and this really irked me, particularly in terms of paying the expenses of my projects. I, I, I've never really sought personal rewards, but what has really been difficult and what has really hurt has been lack of support for the expenses involved in carrying out projects which are of benefit to society and wider numbers of people. And that has been a difficulty. And it was entirely by chance because the regressionist actually wanted to raid my psyche for information about uh, ET encounters, close encounters with ETs. But she said, right, on the first session, we've just got to do anything to sort of skim off the top, to, to open up the channels a bit. And so we did that. And I got my chronologically last life. And what had happened was that I had been a philanthropic rich person with a diplomatic bag and a lot of power to help people at that time. And I did in the 1930s and 40s. I did. But the scale of the problem was so large that a person like me, even with my resources, could really not make very much of an impression. It was a very, very frustrating time, you know, World War II to, to work in, especially from the viewpoint that I was interested in. And so when I got to my death, which was in a fire or an explosion around about 1944-45, I was tired of the responsibility of carrying this burden of wealth and philanthropy. And I made a prayer there that I do not have to carry this burden again. And lo and behold, I was doing a past life regression in this life at age 50, and I suddenly realized what a blessing it was that my income has been low and that there was nothing wrong with me at all. It was actually the answer to a prayer. And not only that, but also I had actually managed over the previous two to three decades to pull off some quite amazing stunts on very little money. And I managed to prove that you can do it. But not only that, but also the absence of 
money as a motivating factor in these kinds of things meant that they had a certain purity, a certain kind of honesty and service to them, and again, a certain kind of philanthropy to them. Uh, I'm not rich in this life, but I am able to be philanthropic with ideas and giving people magical spiritual experiences and things like that. So, you see, understanding a past life, therefore, can be very, very relevant to help us to work effectively with this life. And one of the fascinating things I find about this is when you're doing regression, you're not just getting useful information about what actually happened in other lives. It somehow plugs you into that part of yourself, which was that life. And that can be quite empowering. And so I feel as if that regression at the age of 50 plugged me into that philanthropic aristocrat and lo and behold, that was the period during which time I've done most of my humanitarian work in this life. And then cancer came along three years ago now in 2019, and it changed everything. And it took me close to death. And you can rest assured that when you get a, get close to death like that, you're going through also what you could call an archetype change inside yourself. There's something where the fundamental energy shifts and so what cancer has done for me over the last two to three years has been I've shifted from that Austrian aristocrat through to something else. I can't exactly put my finger exactly on it, but it's got something to do with being an elder. It's got something to do with being a wise old man who is partially disabled and who has managed to garner a lot of respect uh, from other people and uh, who has something to contribute on that level. And so that's fascinating, is that I'm going through an archetypal switch that that philanthropist, the Austrian philanthropist, is no longer really active, or not much. But on the other hand, during this experience of the last month where I've been doing this online intelligence work, in some ways it's helped me to close that one down a little bit more, because it was unfinished doesn't mean to say I'm not going to do anything more on that level. I don't know. It, it, it's If I'm requisitioned for it, that's fine, uh, if the terms are right. But otherwise, uh, I can let that one go as well, because um, it's a thing of the past for me. I, I needed to revisit it in order to check it out and to, to also evaluate that I had actually been very good at that particular thing. It's, it's helped me understand a few things about the past and in particular also about one particular characteristic which I've had throughout life which is this thing I call hyperfocus, this capacity to focus totally on one particular thing in such a way that you're right there, you're right in there, no distractions at all and you're right powering along on that particular thread, that particular line and it can be very very inspiring, very very powerful the difficulty I have, though, during those particular times of hyperfocus is dealing with other things, even remembering to make myself a cup of tea or uh, when people contact me and need an answer. These kinds of things can be very, very difficult with the hyperfocus. I can only do those things when I've finished the thing I was on beforehand. This is a, a symptom of 
uh, Asperger's syndrome. So this business of reincarnation, I think, is a very, very important thing. It's really changed my approach to my situation of having cancer. And as I've been saying in some of my recent blogs and talks and things like that, it has really made me aware that one of the primary helpers at medicines you can get as a cancer patient is, call it happiness, but on a deeper level, it's inner growth, it's spirituality. And um, that's how understanding of reincarnation can really, really help with your process uh, as a cancer patient. Whether that involves healing, that is getting better, or whether that involves having a good ending, or just dealing with the situation that you have, you know. As I got cancer, there are certain things which are just not going to go back to where they were before. The state of my body, the state of my mind are not the same anymore. They have changed permanently. But the funny thing is that it feels like I've been given a new life. Well, that's a strange thing to say when you're disabled and when you technically got cancer, which everyone says sorry to every time you tell them, you know. And yet it's it's quite a remarkable thing, this, that I've started a new life. I've become reborn in this last year or so, and it's quite remarkable, and I feel as if I'm in a new life. There's a lot of continuity, which was the life that I had before, and all of the new things that I'm doing now are all drawing on things I've done earlier in life, so there's a complete continuity there. But on the other hand, cancer has actually given me a new start. It's rebooted my soul. It's um, made me start again. And just a year ago, I thought that I just had a, a year to live. And then over the following six months, I revived so much more than I thought that I would. And now I would hazard to say I've probably got three to five years and I feel in much better health. I'm not back to where I was before four or five years ago, but I'm at a new place. I'm starting again with a new life. And one of the fascinating things around that is that it's actually helping me that that new life is not going to be very long. I've only got a limited time and that means I'm not wasting time. There's a certain kind of a, I wouldn't call it urgency, but there's a, there's a sense of a clock ticking and that I must do all that I can do with the life that I have left and, above all things, be happy. And I'm very motivated also to make a contribution to the world from this place where I stand. So I've started a new life. And yet, in the context of many lives and of reincarnation, it all makes perfect sense. You've been listening to a podcast from the far beyond with Paul and Jenkins. If you want to find out more about me, then go to my website at paldon.co.uk. The music was made by a lovely man in Austria called Sun Circle, and it came through Pixabay website. Thanks for being with and listening. There's more to come. Thank you.